If right. Alan Silvestri was a lesser composer, he might just look at the scenes like, oh no, Gamora's dying, let's write some sad music. And sure, that would have been impactful. Lots of people probably would have enjoyed it. But one of the reasons why this particular piece entrances so many people is because it's more complicated than that. Exactly. Alan Silvestri went deeper. Welcome to another episode of Sitting at the Table, the only podcast where a trained musician turned licensed therapist and a trained therapist turned professional musician discuss our favorite film scores. All right, so today we've got a fun one. Today we are discussing Avengers Infinity War because uh, we've been on a little bit of a Marvel kick lately. Mm -hmm. Old school Marvel. Really enjoy it. Um, awesome. So yeah, we've each picked three scenes that we think young composers can learn from. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to take turns discussing them. So my first scene is actually the first scene with the Guardians of the Galaxy, where they go out answering a distress call, there are jokes about wanting to be paid for it, and then they run into the ruins of the Asgardian mm -hmm. ship, and uh, they find Thor. So that's the first scene we're going to jump into. Let's grab our headphones, our earbuds, All right. and let's give it a listen. Like we're not getting paid. Wipers! Wipers! Get it off! How the hell is this dude still alive? He is not a dude. You're a dude. This... This is a man. A handsome, muscular man. I'm muscular. But who are you kidding, Quill? You're one sandwich away from fat. Yeah, right. It's true. You have put on weight. What? Gamora, do you think I'm... He's anxious. Angry. He feels tremendous loss and guilt. It's like a pirate had a baby with an angel. Wow. It's a real wake-up call for me. Okay. I'm gonna get a Bowflex. I'm gonna commit. I'm gonna get some dumbbells. You know you can't eat dumbbells, right? It's like his muscles are made of katati metal fibers. Stop massaging his muscles. Wake him up. The reason why I wanted to watch that scene is it really is kind of like a masterclass on scoring underneath the dialogue. And that tends mm -hmm. to be an issue that a lot of starting kind of composers really struggle with. It's yeah. finding that balance between writing music to support the scene, but nothing that gets in trouble with the dialogue. Nothing mm -hmm. that competes with it or gets in the way or makes it confusing to listen to. Because at the end of the day, dialogue is king. Right. All right, there are three kind of sonic elements within the film. There are the sound effects, there are the dialogue, and, there are the mu and there's the music. Mm -hmm. um, and even though as composers and music nerds, we all like to believe that the music is super important, it's actually the least important of those three. 
All right, because the dialogue is what gets the story moving. The sound effects often alert you to what's happening off screen, like the sound of a doorknob turning or opening off screen. It helps you know what's going on. It helps build out the world around you. And the music helps enhance everything. So they're all super important, but the music is the trickiest because it can't get in the way of either of the first two. Um, and learning how to score under dialogue is really kind of tricky. Uh, but this scene does it perfectly. And it does it perfectly by following a principle called the principle of immediacy. Uh, now, there are basically kind of three functions. Well, there I've talked about the, the functions are something different, but there are three kind of responsibilities mm. of uh, film music. There's immediacy. There is... Uh, I'm blanking now. <laughs> That's always happens. Like I know what they are, and then we start talking, and the camera goes on. And I forget. But it's um, immediacy. It's uh, referentiality, meaning mm. that. Uh, and then there is one that starts with an S. I'm blanking on it. Uh, but the only one we're going to worry about right now is immediacy. Mm. All right. Immediacy is the idea that the film score or the soundtrack has a responsibility to support what is immediately happening on screen. And we've talked about this actually before in one of the podcast episodes. The idea that the emotions, enhancing the emotions, is the number one priority for film music. Um, so one of the, I'm, for, I'm blanking what the third term was, but it started with an S and it basically meant, uh, oh, subordination. Subordination, meaning that uh, the music is subordinate to the story and that you can use things like uh, thematic structures, you can use things like uh, motifs to help tell the story. Mm -hmm. But more important than that is the immediacy of hitting the emotions. And so what Alan Silvestri does so masterfully in this scene is if you rewatch it, there's only really kind of chords. There's only right. textures. There's not a lot of melody. There's not a lot of themes going on. All we have is this idea of hitting the emotion. Minor keys for suspense. Uh, suspe sustained, uh, suspended chords for suspense. Putting all these kind of tension kind of builds up of what's going to happen when Thor wakes up. Mm -hmm. Is Thor safe? Is he alive? Well, well, we know he's alive, but what's going to happen next? We don't know what's going to happen next. And so Alan Silvestri kind of adds some chords underneath to help with the emotion, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't need a motif to kind of allude to other things on, that are happening in the story. He doesn't use a theme to refer to any of the characters on screen. Yeah. He's just supporting the underlying mood. And by doing that, he makes sure that the music does its number one priority, supporting the emotions, without getting in the way of the dialogue. In fact, and a lot of other strategies are making sure that any kind of chord shifts or melodic shifts happen in between uh, dialogue. That's a big strategy that you'll notice in Into the Spider-Verse. Daniel Pemberton does that a lot, where his melody will actually move in between dialogue as a way to help avoid getting in the way. But Alan Silvestri here went just a very much simpler route, using a nice chord texture, just a homophonic texture of uh, just chords kind of moving through. Um, I just think that's really cool. It's a simple idea that you don't always have to go big. You don't always have to go complicated. Uh, you can just simple ideas. As long as you hit the mood of a scene, that's often more than enough. Anything you'd like to say? Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with all that. And I think, uh, you know, I'm really happy that you picked this scene, actually. Yeah. Because I it's really... Because I, I can even look at, like, my scenes. And, I mean, like, most of the scenes that we pick in a lot of these, you know, in a lot of the movies that we watch are, like, super charged. Mm -hmm. Like really charged. That's amazing. Like, yeah, and and it doesn't always have to be. You know, right. it doesn't always have to be. So like when I was talking about like the the Lupin and Harry scene in uh, in the Prisoner of Azkaban right. episode, um, kind of portraying safety baseline kind yeah. of you know emotional space, uh, that's equally as important. You know, what this movie does a lot. 
particularly with dialogue, is is you can kind of hear like there are some scenes like this where yeah. there's you know there's some there's some movement underneath the dialogue, but it isn't very common actually. This is one of the only scenes right? that I really remember it's, with where that was the case. It's more common than so. you think. It's all mm-hmm. over the movie. The thing is, it's so subtle it doesn't stick out. Everyone remembers the big bombastic Thor arrives in Wakanda, yes. or the portal scene, or just any time where the music gets massive. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the music in the movie, and a lot of music in all movies, is just this kind of background music, this right. kind of textures. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. And uh, there's actually three, three common, because te- this is called a non-technical cue, a cue that mm-hmm. doesn't serve a technical purpose. It doesn't oh, have yeah. a theme, it doesn't have a motif, it doesn't have anything like that. Um, and there are three very common scenarios for using non-technical cues, all right? So if you have a scene with lots of dialogue, for example, in this one, lots of important dialogue, a non-technical cue can work perfectly. Just mm-hmm. add some chords underneath, some strings, maybe some synths, woodwinds, whatever you want to work, something soft and unobtrusive, keep it in the background, and just focus on using chords, simple chords, yeah. that help create the general mood you want it to have. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, another type of scene that uses non-technical cues uh, would be just a generic emotional beat. All right, you've got an emotional scene, but it's not tied to any important moment in a character arc. The character is not really changing or developing this scene, but there's still some emotions. So you don't need to use the character's theme. Just again, some chords or a nice little texture, some mm-hmm. asinati, something unobtrusive in the background that hits the emotion. Uh, and then the third time being the action sequence. All right, action sequences. And of course, these can all use themes. Mm-hmm. These are just three very common situations where you just don't worry about using a theme. Right. And the action sequence, the reason why it doesn't use themes or it doesn't have to is its primary focus is just controlling the energy. Mm-hmm. Build energy, lots of rhythmic elements, keep it moving. Again, support the emotion of the scene and you're fine. Mm-hmm. Anything else that's a little bit bigger, I think we talked about it in the Prisoner of Azkaban movie, and that's not really what we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. But anything else, you can really start focusing on using larger character themes. But those three kind of scenarios, lots of dialogue. Um, so what was that? So lots of dialogue, action scenes, and just mm-hmm. generic emotional beats. Those are perfectly excuse, like great excuses to just use simple chords and yeah. background textures yeah. to, again, hit that point of immediacy, of just adding the emotion happening right now. Don't worry about what came before. Don't worry about what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Just hit what's happening right now and it's going to function. Exactly. And if we're going to talk about that right now, I think it's also yeah. important to kind of recognize the space, right? So the space of the movie. Oh, yeah. How are we going to fill the space up? You know, what's it going to be filled with? If we're creating an aura of like this, yeah. what are we going to, are we going to, is it best to put music in there to fill that space to kind of enhance that aura or is it best to let it go? Right. So that can be something that you can think of too, in terms of like, does the scene feel like? Because you can, you have like an intuition, right? Like yeah. You have an intuition as to like you watch something and you're just like, does that feel like full enough? Does it feel satisfying enough? Or is, you know, is there enough resolution there? If it feels like it needs a little something, yeah. I would go with that. I would right? follow that, and I would use maybe that kind of idea of 3D space. So you can imagine kind of like the music in the ship as they're kind of talking. Oh yeah, it's like it doesn't need to be front and center or anything, oh, no. but. Yeah. It's nice to have it there to support what's happening. Exactly. Using the music as a tool for world building. Yes. And like sound palettes. I love that. That's Mm -hmm. because that's, that is a very important thing. That's part of a composer's style. Mm -hmm. Some composers are famous for doing wall to wall music. Hans Zimmer does that very often. John Williams does that very often. Other composers are known for being much more kind of sparing. Joe Hisaishi does very little music throughout his film, uh, throughout the Ghibli films. Mm -hmm. 
It's good music, great music, but used more sparingly, more particular, like a particular. Right. Um, and that can come down to things like how much is the budget, how much music can they afford to pay you to write, uh, how much music can you afford to get recorded, or right. do you have time? What, what's the time look like? How many months or weeks do you have to work on the soundtrack? Um, it, it's all kinds of factors, but a lot of it is, again, just the composer's personal preference and the director's personal preference. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Awesome. So, yeah, anything mm-hmm. else you want to say about this? No, no, I've said my list. Excellent. So bye bye. Let's move along. Yes. And my first scene that we're going to uh, we're gonna we're gonna really charge up with this one. All right, I'm looking forward to it. Captain America arrives in the train station in Scotland. Ooh, is it Scotland? It's Scotland, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that was Scotland. Yep, Edinburgh is in Scotland. Oh, nice. I didn't mm-hmm. know it was in Edinburgh. Yeah, I thought it was just. Or, well, Edinburgh. maybe it was in Ed- maybe it wasn't in Edinburgh, but I was They attention. were talking about a train to Edinburgh, maybe. Uh, but it, right. but they were in Scotland. Let's find it. You gotta get up. Come on. We have to go. Please leave. You asked me to stay. I'm staying. just so much fun to watch <laughs> alright uh, I love that theme too Alan Silvestri's Avengers theme Ugh. oh yeah it's fun amazing <laughs> it's definitely but... fun um, yeah what did you want to say about this yeah so the big theme that I wanted to kind of focus on here it's interesting because it's fear right hmm. but it's good guy imposed fear yeah. as opposed to bad guy imposed fear so ah. it's 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 really because if you listen to the way that you know at first it's kind of like really dark and kind of gloomy before it transitions to you know yeah the alien for some reason sees a, a mysterious man appear behind a, a train so their first instinct is to attack this person you know they just appeared behind a train they're obviously like mm-hmm. god tier so um <laughs> <laughs> so they uh you know have they never watched movies um so you know captain america he catches the mm-hmm. he, he catches the uh, the spear and then it slowly shows him it's almost like the what the music kind of feels like to me it's almost like an emotional like bracing hmm. of like oh something's about to happen and like you just yeah. you just messed up kind of the avengers thing yeah exactly yeah, yeah it's the beginning of the of the actual theme of the movie and um or uh, you know the avengers 
Um, but it was that charge. It was that kind yeah. of charge of the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And then you're creating yeah. more, more and more and more tension. And, and then there's a really nice payoff because they just, you know... Yeah, it's, they get they get taken care of quite nicely. So. I really <laughs> like that idea because I'd never really thought of that. You always think it's like, oh yeah, it's the heroic thing. The heroes are arrived, everyone is safe, the bad guys are fine. Mm-hmm. I never thought of it as like a form of fear. Yeah, like a fe- mm-hmm. like that the villains are now scared because yeah. that is something interesting. Because that I okay, so I'm I love the Marvel movies. I will not pretend to be a comic book reader. Yeah, uh, I can't take that mantle. I and just can't mm-hmm. pretend what I'm not. Uh, so I have no idea who these people are. Mm-hmm. All right, I just know that they're the children of Thanos. I know Ebony Maw, and he's the only one I know. Because yeah, he's the coolest. Yeah, he's the coolest. <laughs> uh, I don't know what their names are. I feel bad about that. But she definitely looks scared when he catches the spear. Right. If not scared, she at least looks surprised and taken off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine, as one of Thanos' kind of lieutenants, he'd, she'd be amazed that someone had so effortlessly stopped her attack. Right. And then we as the audience, again, playing to the emotions of your audience that you want your audience to feel. This is the first time we see Captain America in the movie. Mm-hmm. All right? He's one of the OG Avengers. Right. All right? I still remember when the He's first the Avengers OG movie Avengers. came out. Yeah. It was, and so you, feel, you hear that initial theme that Alan Silvestri's kind of build up. Mm-hmm. And there's this massive payoff. The beautiful thing about like motifs and themes, the reason why they're used so frequently in film music uh, is because every time a theme is used or a motif is repeated, it absorbs the emotional content mm-hmm. of that use. Right. And so every time it returns, it's not completely new. It's not a brand new emotional experience. It's coloring that experience with every other experience we've had. So we've heard this theme in the first Avengers movie when Bruce Banner goes, uh, that's my secret, I'm always angry. He turns into the Hulk, mm-hmm. destroys the giant Leviathan, and then they have that really cool iconic circle kind of panning with the yeah. camera and you see all the Avengers in their pose. Uh, we hear it um, again in Age of Ultron, which mm-hmm. Danny Elfman scored. Danny Elfman did not use it in the kind of traditional expectations. So the scene where they're beating up Ultron and all of his kind of copies, mm-hmm. um, it actually doesn't play in that scene. We have hints of it, but that's kind of weird. I always thought that was an interesting take on the use, but mm-hmm. it does appear throughout the film. And so we have all these kind of repetitions of the theme being used in different heroic moments. And this is mm-hmm. one of the big kind of moments where we hear it in this film early on, especially when we see these new characters that we've come to love. Right. Captain, the uh, uh, Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously Vision and mm-hmm. Scarlet Witch are there. Uh, we see Falcon, all these characters that we've come to know and love and become familiar with mm-hmm. through all these different movies. We get kind of that payoff from the theme right. not only seeing these characters but hearing the music that we've heard it builds up all the happy memories of watching the other movies mm-hmm. and kind of builds excitement for right. just watching the avengers kick some butt again mm-hmm. all right so that's kind of that i just love seeing kind of way the themes kind of transcend not just scenes mm-hmm. but individual movies as well exactly yeah it just uh, it's a beautiful it's one of the reasons why like i said themes and motifs are such a beautiful and useful tool for films right like it it uh, builds on each and every emotional experience you associate it with mm-hmm. even if it's only subconsciously you're kind of connecting all of those scenes together exactly it makes it very powerful what that like before we move on i want to say that is also why you want to be very careful on which scenes you use themes with mm-hmm. if you're just throwing a motif around every single say you've got a motif for a character you're just throwing that motif around with every single scene the character even pops up in. Mm-hmm. That motif won't have the same payoff as this. Right. All right. You can hint to it, 
But you want to make sure that the full-on uses of a full theme or motif are used very selectively for key emotional beats. Remember, not generic, but we've talked about this in the past. A key emotional beat is a scene or moment tied to character growth, mm -hmm. character development. Those are the scenes where you want to bring in the full motif, the full mm -hmm. theme. Because, again, if it's tied to key emotional important moments, then the theme itself will have key emotional associations. That's right. If you're just throwing it into any generic moment, then you've got a theme with a bunch of generic emotional moments associated with it. Right. So that's another reason why using just kind of those background textures is very useful so that you don't overexpend your mm -hmm. themes. You don't kind of rob them of meaning by overusing them. Right. Make sense? Yep, yep. Awesome. <laughs> Um, awesome, yeah. So that's what that's kind of what I have to say about this. Did you have anything yeah. else you want to say? Not that I can think of. No. Yeah, I just really wanted to focus on like kind of that emotional bracing and you know yeah. really charging up. So, right. good awesome. guy fear. Yes. Good guy imposed fear. <laughs> so now I'm at kind of like a sticking point because mm -hmm. my next scene was going to be Thor arriving in Wakanda, mm -hmm. but I was just going to talk about everything I just talked about. <laughs> but the idea of like how themes build and they reappear mm -hmm. and have. So do I do that one or do I go to my backup? Hmm. All right. So uh, here, I should actually tell you. So. We could also we could also do mine next too because that's a pretty significant jump. In that is a significant jump. So you know, yeah. Let's my, my next one is is Thanos killing Gamora. Oh yeah. So. Let's do that one next. Yeah. A different kind of energy. <laughs> yes. Very much. Yeah. So. We'll do that one and then I can decide what I want to do. Okay. The stone demands a sacrifice. Of what? In order to take the stone, you must lose that which you love. A soul for a soul. All my life, I dreamed of a day moment when you got what you deserved and I was always so disappointed but now you kill and torture and you call it mercy judged you. You asked it for a prize, and it told you no. You failed. And do you want to know why? Because you love nothing. No one.
<laughs> it's such an incredible scene. It gets me every time. Oh, every goosebumps, goosebumps. Time. Right? Oh, man. The music is incredible. Yeah. I am a sucker for some good harmonic dissonance as well. Right? <laughs> like, it, it feels very nice. Oh, man. Wow. I might need to recover from that one for a minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we talked a little bit about this one last night when we watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of things happening. So the f- oh, yeah. We're, we're focused on... I just... I, I, I could go into so much about, <laughs> like, what's going on in Thanos' head throughout this entire movie, especially this part. Like what, He's such a well-written character. He really is. Like, what drives someone... Because, like, let's let's just say he's a person, right? You know, he's an alien mm-hmm. and, like, it gets finicky. But, um, you know... Aliens let's just, are people, too. Aliens are people. <laughs> but, um, let's, you know, if we're looking at him from, like, a human, yeah. emotional yeah, 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 yeah. kind of standpoint, like, for all intents and purposes, he is. Um, like, what's, what's, like, what's just happened? He just... He just killed his daughter mm-hmm. for what he believes to be a higher purpose. Yep. This is very, very, very significant. In, I mean, it, it sounds like duh, you know, but it's, yeah. it's like this is really significant. You know, like this, like <laughs> there's a lot I could say. I don't want to. But um, there, there's a significant kind of weight to this. Right. And the music really does feel heavy. It mm-hmm. feels massive. It's just like, whoa. It's moving almost. So, like, if you've ever been like emotionally moved by something, um, that's very much what this kind of like goes for. Emotionally, like the theme is a combination of two things mm-hmm. that seemingly don't go together. It's tragedy, but it's also triumphant. I knew you were going to say that. That's exactly what I get from it too. Yep, it's tragedy, but it's also triumphant. So, tragedy and grief, right? So, this mm-hmm. is something that Thanos feels he is yep. he has to do. It's one, you know, it's a sacrifice he has to make that he, obviously he doesn't want to. It kept flashing back to him having tears and this Mm -hmm. is a big, this is the big baddie. Like this is the biggest, baddest person in the universe right now. Yep. Um, And he has tears, you know, and he has, he has, he carries a lot of this. Genuine sorrow. Yeah. He carries genuine sorrow, but he is so driven by his willpower to fulfill Mm -hmm. this mission. He... He, he he bears it. He yeah. essentially bears it. And I mean, that's where the triumph kind of comes yeah. through, right? He's completed his, he's completed this objective in his mission. Yep. He's through it, but it extracts a heavy toll. Because yeah, he genuinely believes what he's doing is for the betterment of everyone. Exactly. All right. Because uh, he even says that that one like kind of line. So I ignored my destiny once. Yeah. I can't do it again. Not even and, for you. And we learn yeah. what he means by that. Like in just another scene or two, when they're fighting on Titan. And Dr. Strange is like, let me guess, this is your home? He says, it was. It was beautiful. Yeah. And he talks about how Titan was struggling. There were too many mouths, not enough food to go around. There weren't enough resources. The world was going to die off. Mm-hmm. And he was the only one with a solution. Yeah. He says, kill half the people. Mm-hmm. He says, random, dispassionate, fair like to everyone. All right? Just, every, like, just half the people. Got to mm-hmm. go. And they all treated him like a madman. They said, no, we're not going to do that. And what ended up happening is the planet ended up dying off. And so for Thanos, his belief was he realizes, I had the answer. In his mind, he believes he had the answer. Mm -hmm. That if he had killed half the people, it would have saved his planet. Right. That's what he believes. And yet, he didn't act on it. And so he watched as his home died. That's Mm -hmm. a significant trauma. He believes because he did not have the will to act. His planet died. There's nothing left. 
And so that's his motivating factor. Moving mm-hmm. forward, he talks about the hardest choices require the strongest wills. Mm-hmm. That's like his big thing. He has the will to do this. Mm-hmm. He doesn't enjoy what he does, but he's going to do it because that what's, that's what needs to be done. He won't let the same mistake happen twice. Exactly. And so there is that sense of not just kind of the tragedy, but kind of the grandeur of that higher calling, of being... Mm-hmm. Of having the tremendous strength, the will, and the moral character in his right. mind to do what needs to be done. And there is, like, especially the moment, that moment when Gamara gets thrown off the cliff. Mm-hmm. All right? You'd expect this giant kind of painful sound, usually mm-hmm. the quintessential kind of tragic sound right. being a ninth over a minor triad. Mm-hmm. All right? You play the minor triad, you have the ninth playing on top, and then it resolves. Uh, Big, it creates a dramatic kind of painful sound. Mm -hmm. And that's what you kind of expect as we watch one of the protagonists, one of the main characters, one of the heroes that we have come to love over two separate movies uh, get thrown off the cliff to die. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't. We get this beautiful, this open chord with like zero dissonance, Mm -hmm. just ringing out something you would expect with a heroic theme, certainly not a theme like this. Mm And so this kind of goes to, like, we've talked about this again in like earlier episodes, but the need to dive deeper. If right. Alan Silvestri was a lesser composer, he might just look at the scenes like, oh no, Gamora's dying, let's write some sad music. And mm-hmm. it could be beautifully sad music. It could work. Like you yeah. talked about earlier, the massive scope, all right? Mm-hmm. And that's a huge part of tragedy. Tragedy is a big, overwhelming emotion. And it's complex. All right, it's complex. The more overwhelming the emotion, generally speaking, the larger size you want. Mm -hmm. A very simple trick to make an orchestral arrangement sound bigger is to add choir. Mm -hmm. Because choir is something additional to the orchestra. Full orchestra is nice, but when you say orchestra is not big enough, let's add something new, usually choir, it results in a much bigger sound. The same can go for synths. People will add synths to orchestra. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people do like rock bands. They'll add a guitar and a drum kit to it. Uh, Hiroyuki Sawano from Attack on Titan, which is the poster behind us, a terrible glare on it is, uh, does all three. He does traditional orchestra, he does choir, synths, and electric guitar and, and drum kit. Right. Um, and it's just the idea that anytime you add something new to an orchestra, it builds the size. Mm-hmm. It makes it feel grander, more epic, larger scale. That's what Alan Silvestri does here. Choir and orchestra to create a massive scale emotion yeah um and i just kind of a little bit of change what i wanted to talk about was diving a bit deeper he could have just said let's make this sad let's make it tragic Mm -hmm. and sure that would have been impactful lots of people probably would have enjoyed it but one of the reasons why this particular piece entrances so many people is because it's more complicated than that exactly alan silvestri went deeper all right into the story and again we've talked about things in the past that you can do to go deeper and one of the biggest is to understand the motivation of your characters. Not only what is happening on the screen and why it's happening from a plot point, but why it's happening from a psychological point of the characters. Mm-hmm. What motivates, what pushes your character to do this? We talked about this. What is making Thanos do this? Mm-hmm. Why can't he let go? Why does he know he has to do this? Um, you could just say plot. Or if you want to go deeper, you could say because of his trauma, because of experience with losing his entire home planet. Right. So he has this responsibility. He views this as a test, which it is. There's a test of, are you worthy? Are you really him? Are you the guy who's going to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and Thanos finds out, yes, he is. He is the guy who's going to do this. He's the one who's going to unite all the stones and he'll do what it takes. 
So like you mentioned, it's that moment of triumph. Mm -hmm. And that kind of combination of triumph and tragedy creates this awful sound. Not awful as in like terrible, but filled with awe. This Mm -hmm. awe-inspiring sound of wow. Yeah. Kind of leaves you breathless. I have no idea where I'm going with this. I just like went on a bunch of tangents. But it's just, yeah, it's it's such a beautiful piece of music. It's it's a beautiful piece of music for a very, (laughs) this is going to sound really probably bad but honestly for a beautiful scene it is a beautiful scene because this is someone who when you think of like emotionally like a moving Mm -hmm. like a very moving piece think of like you can think of like the grief and the obstacle of like i mean obviously this is like this is not like moral but you think of of like the you know the 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 obstacle of the grief of having to kill your daughter right you don't don't have to agree with it in order to understand it right appreciate it but how triumphant would it be to essentially move a boulder that big off of the cliff right to get it out of your way yeah it's you're gonna be drained from it it's gonna it's gonna hurt you so much you know in the process but you're but when you do it this is a thing that is now no longer in the way. And that's really what's what's shown here. And this is why it's really important, you know, like like what Stephen was saying, it's really important to go into the backstory of your characters from the scene. What are mm-hmm. their motivations? What are they what are they noticing? You know, things things mix. Like we've talked we'll, we'll talk about it in all of them, and we've talked about them, yeah. you know, up to this point. Emotions are complicated. And oh, they and, mix. Sure. Okay. and and instead of trying to simplify it. Sometimes it's okay to let it be complicated. Yeah. So sometimes having some of that, like, and I don't know, for me, like, I, I, is it an add seven chord that I was hearing, like, towards the end, the do? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, it, it wouldn't be add seven because a seven would just be a seventh chord, not add seven. Oh, okay. uh, I've, I, I'm not good at writing. Maybe it was, maybe it was an add nine. Then. I used to be able to know them. I, okay. I don't know them anymore. <laughs> Back in my guitar days. I'm very good at music theory. <laughs> I'm very good, in my opinion, at mm-hmm. writing music. I am terrible at performing music. I am terrible <laughs> at recognizing intervals. I mean, what was it? We did, uh, was it? Yeah, Spirited Away, the episode where I started singing the el- the, the theme from Elf instead oh, of the yep. theme we had just listened. I'm terrible at like, so yeah, yeah, I'm not the person to ask for that. Yeah. Uh, but let I that be a lesson. You you don't have to learn that stuff to yeah. enjoy writing music. Yeah. Right. You can just enjoy it. And exactly. That's all that matters. Right. <laughs> I, that's what I do. Yep. So, but yeah, it's it's but, it's probably my favorite. Well, behind Thor and Wakanda, just because that's so cool. Oh yeah. But it's just a fun. In movie. terms of like the weight behind it, yeah, probably my favorite scene. Probably my favorite piece of music that he wrote. And this is why, like in my class on emotions and portraying emotions with music, in the original emotions of music tool that we worked on together, mm-hmm. there's such an emphasis on not just the emotion. But the context surrounding the emotion. Right. So what built up to this? What's the payoff? What was, oh, like, was it self-inflicted or was it avoidable kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all kinds of things that you can kind of take in to learn more about the emotion and give you more nuance. Because mm-hmm. uh, really, that's what it takes to portray emotions, is to learn how to study your emotions like you would a character. Exactly. Like that was what kind of inspired me to make the emotions tool in the first place. I remember talking with you. It was like, it was so frustrating studying music. Like my professors are like, oh yes, for the characters, you have to study the characters. Here's how you study the character. Mm -hmm. This is how you find out what the music needs. Make sure you take the time to study the world before you pick what instruments you're going to use. It's like, here's a sad template. Here's a happy template. I remember the moment where I got disenfranchised with all that. Because I had tremendous respect for the professor who like made all the templates we were working with. Awesome guy. Loved the books he writes and everything. But I remember the most disenfranchising moment was when we spent an entire week like studying and practicing this template for sad music which worked mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes it sure. sounded like sad music the problem was he then gave us a scene to score and it wasn't sadness it was a panic attack 
All right, yeah, sure, it could be generically sad, but when you went deep, you're like, this isn't sadness, this is a panic attack. Right. All right, lush, sad strings don't work for a panic attack, not right. in this particular scene. Right. It's the idea that I just kind of realized that templates are nice, but their two biggest issues is they tend to come off as generic, mm-hmm. and they te- like when they don't work, you're stuck without a template. Right. Like what happens when you've got a very nuanced type of sadness and the template doesn't fit. So for example, if you just use this generic template for sadness for this scene, it would technically work, but it wouldn't have the same kind of impact. Yeah. We wouldn't be geeking out over it, talking about it for as long as we have been. Right. Because it does something as simple as combine triumph with tragedy. Right. We will both just be talking about Thor and Wakanda. Probably. <laughs> speaking of which. Twice as long. <laughs> speaking of which, that is, again, I'm still stuck with this kind of dilemma. Mm-hmm. All right, because we've already kind of talked about what I wanted to talk about Thor and Wakanda, about Mm -hmm. the use of themes and motifs and how every time you hear a theme, it carries with it the emotions of the previous scenes. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk about the importance of picking your themes carefully. Yeah. And how, yeah, there are lots of times where Ellen Silvestri or other composers have hinted at the uh, Avengers theme throughout, uh, but they don't actually use it, Mm -hmm. like, full on. They're very, very careful with what they use the full-on, that's the Avengers theme arrangement. Right. That's because you want to be careful. You want, since a theme carries the connotations of every single theme, uh, scene they've been played with, um, if you're just kind of throwing it on willy-nilly, it reduces the emotional impact. So that's what I wanted to talk about. We, we already did that with Captain America arriving. Mm-hmm. So, but then I don't want to not <laughs> do Captain, like, Thor and Wakanda. Wakanda. Yeah, because it's not my last scene, so... Yeah, I know. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, let's do it. Because the only other one I had was the dusting scene, and there's no music. Mm-hmm. And I was going to talk about different reasons why you don't use music, but we can save that for another time. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, that should be an easy enough one. All right, so then my next one is Thor. What kind of? Do you have anything in between? Uh, in between? Uh, yeah. No, no. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's watch it. Let's watch it. Yep. witnessed me holding it back yeah. very, very well. I, I'm surprised. I've never heard you watch that without cheering. Yeah! Uh, <laughs> well, because that, that was that scene was like our workout motivation for, for a years. long time. Like, all through grad school, back when we back when we used to 
because all we had was like that little like Planet Fitness membership. That's all we had. So we would mm-hmm. go there. And while we were going, there was two scenes that we always watched. There was uh, Thor arriving on Wakanda. Thor and Wakanda and Bane. And Bane versus Batman. <laughs> yep. The Chris Nolan trilogy. Those are the, the ultimate, like, yeah! Yep. Kind of work out. Uh, but, uh, no, so, like I said, I had things I wanted to talk about this. Um, so, now I'll find something else to talk about. And I think mm-hmm. what I'm going to talk about is the quintessential kind of makeup of a hero's theme. Because mm-hmm. the Avengers theme, I've talked about why it has such an impact. Because it's used so so very carefully. You can hint at it using motifs, but the full-on statement is saved for very large kind of heroic moments. The three, like I said, most iconic being the portal scene in uh, Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. Thor arrives on Wakanda from uh, Infinity War. And the original Avengers being that original kind of that circle, which now I want to watch that movie again. <laughs> yep. We're like, the Avengers are all finally fighting as a team, so we hear the theme play as well. Mm-hmm. Again, for whatever reason, I'm blanking on when it was used in Avengers uh, Age of Ultron. For some reason, I feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure it was used at some point. Um, and so the, because it's used at such strategic moments, that's why it has such a big impact. But in general, heroic themes have this feeling of heroism because of the way they portray kind of the emotions of mm-hmm. a hero. So there's all kinds of you know, kind of cliches. Heroes themes work with perfect fifths and perfect fourths and octaves, right? Large leaps in the melody. Mm-hmm. Heroes themes have brass on the melody and strings playing rhythmic parts in the background. Heroes uh, themes have good percussion parts in the back, building rhythm and energy. And the reason why these are cliches is because they work so well at portraying, portraying kind of an emotion or a mood of heroism, yeah. All right? So we've talked about this before, how the four key elements of portraying emotions in music are are, uh, uh, valence, size, movement, and gesture. So size being how overwhelming the emotion is. You want a hero's theme to be very overwhelming. You want there to be Mm -hmm. kind of this sense of relief. The heroes are here. Um, You don't watch My Hero Academia, but many, hopefully some of the people who are watching this do. I love My Hero Academia. Mm -hmm. And one of the kind of the running themes is the idea of the main hero, All Might, being the figure of spe- of peace, all right? Uh, and the idea that when he arrives, people can't help but feel safe. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how bad things are. If All Might's there, things are going to be all right. They're safe right. now because he's here. And so to create such an overwhelming sense of safety that no matter what situation you're in, awesome, we got the upper edge, mm-hmm. you want a massive size. You want it to be overwhelming, so you want a massive size. So brass, strings, percussion, low, well, like woodwinds, uh, low voices, a bunch of kind of big sounds you want for your orchestra to right off the bat set off that this is a hero's theme. This mm-hmm. is a sense of safety. So then the next one being movement. Movement referring to kind of like how the emotion is expressed physically, how energizing it is versus how depleting it is. And you want, again, the emotion of your audience to be like, yes, we want right. like the kind of thing that you were talking about, like cheering mm-hmm. and being excited, like, yeah, getting ready to work out because you're mm-hmm. so pumped up. Right. The way you do that is lots of moving parts, all right? Lots of energy and moving parts in the music means lots of moving parts and energy in the physical expression and experience of the emotion. Mm-hmm. So we hear that here in the strings that are playing. I'm not going to try singing it because I'm just going to sing something from a Christmas movie again <laughs> yep. uh, by accident. Um, uh, but you got the moving strings. You've got the kind of the percussion, like the snare drums in the background. You've got uh, other rhythmic elements like a pulsing bass hitting on important beats. Right. You've got all these different cool like kind of moving elements adding energy. 
and kind of a bit of size to your music as well. So we've got the level of overwhelming, correct. We've got the amount of movement and excitement built. The last one is valence, all right, mm -hmm. or the overall degree of brightness or darkness. And most heroic themes want to create a bright feeling, so they use major harmony. Mm -hmm. They emphasize perfect intervals, like perfect fifths, perfect fourths, and octaves, large leaps to, again, build size, energy, and just kind of brightness. Mm -hmm. And when you have these elements, you've got that like nice large size, nice bright sound, lots mm -hmm. of movement. You can't help but feel very kind of heroic, very right. bright and high energy. Um, the last one being gesture. Could be any number of, like a gesture is just a musical metaphor. Things that you come up with as a composer that you think help make your music personal to the story. So common use for the Avengers is using the horns. Right? The horn is historically a call to action, so it has been traditionally associated in concert music as like a call, like a, like the original French horn, which is a hunting horn. Mm -hmm. And they had different different tunes of hunting horns without valves. And so there's always this association of the hunt or kind of heroism involved with horns. So having a bunch of horns play this in unison kind of rides off that association and creates mm -hmm. kind of a heroic feeling. So this is a prime example of a hero's theme that hits all four things. I'm sure there's... I'm sure there's other kind of uh, gestures. For example, in like Batman by uh, Chris Nolan and Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer's theme, like the string motif he has, like the ostinato, is actually called the bat ostinato in many places because Hans Zimmer came up with it because just going up and down by second, he thought the notes looked like a bat. All right? Yeah, it was like the little, like the little Batman signal with the wing and down and up again. Mm -hmm. The notes do the same thing. So Hans Zimmer's like, ah, the notes look like a bat. That's my musical gesture kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it fits. It makes it kind of personalized. Right. Uh, but yeah, that's something that Alan Silvestri goes very well with the kind of the traditional hero's theme. And again, those four things. Mood, uh, not mood, uh, uh, valence, size, and uh, movement. Those three things together create mood. And then gesture. And then mood plus gesture equals emotion. If you get all four of those things, you're going to be able to create whatever emotion you want to work with. Mm -hmm. And that's just why so many heroic themes seem to sound similar or have similar buildups is because they follow those same four tenets. Yes. Uh, if you want to go deeper into that, shameless plug, check out my ebook and or my class. Right now, by the time this episode comes out, the class is probably closed. Uh, I only open it every once in a while. I work with one cohort, close it, and then don't, work, uh, don't take anyone until... The current cohort's done. Mm -hmm. um, so check out the ebook if you haven't had a chance, uh, if you don't want to wait for the class. But if you're interested in like learning a lot more about emotions and music, check it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Once again, my class is the sponsor of this podcast. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, anywho, so yeah, I hopefully that was helpful. Mm -hmm. this kind of, that one was unprepared. That was just kind of going off the seat of my pants. Yeah. But that was my scene number two. Mm -hmm. What's your scene number three? My scene number three is going to be... That was your number two? Yeah. Because we did two of yours in a row. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We did. Um, well, then, if that is the case... Well, do you want to do another one of yours? Because my scene is literally the last scene. Oh, true. There yeah. we go. Now so, we yeah. Just... Yeah, that's, yeah, we'll keep it chronological order then. <laughs> um, yeah. My last scene, then, is Vision's death. All right. All right. Wonderful, wonderful scene. Mm -hmm. Emotionally impactful. And I actually think we've talked about a lot of that stuff that I wanted to bring up anyways, but it's still a good one. It's the same theme yep. as Gamora's death, isn't it? It's not the same theme, but similar ideas. Oh, okay. All right. It's time. No. They can't stop him, Wanda, but we can. Look at me. 
You have the power to destroy the storm. Don't. You must do it. Oh, please. We are out of time. I can't. Yes, you can. You can. If he gets the storm, half the universe dies. It's not fair. It shouldn't be you, but it is. It's all right. You could never hurt me. I just feel you. Silvestri. Thank you for stopping it there. <laughs> it's just such. Uh, yeah, we don't want to because yeah, we don't want to watch him get brought back as a stone and just killed anyway. Uh, it's tragic. It's such. Oh man, I did I did not see that coming in the movie theaters. The first time I saw it, I was like, all right, awesome. That was tragic, but they beat him. Now it's time to kind of rally and take mm-hmm. down Thanos. His goals are over, nope. and then just time stone. <laughs> Bam! It's like, ah! Yep. I was like, no. Oh, man. But we've already kind of talked about this stuff already, but I'm still kicking out because Alan Silvestri is the master of diving deeper, right? Mm -hmm. Which is so important as a composer. I cannot understate that. Anyone who just starts out writing music can go with the surface level. They can Mm -hmm. say, oh, what a sad scene. Sad music. But we don't just hear sad music. We have, it starts out sad, definitely. Mm -hmm. Very kind of, traditional somber kind of string adagio creating this very sad sound but as it goes on it becomes more and more heroic Mm -hmm. it because even though you see it get more and more tragic because now you realize they're seeing that moment you're watching all the heroes get taken down thanos is making a relentless push forward 
Wanda is now the last one, so she has to fight off Thanos and kill her partner at the same time. Mm-hmm. And just what's happening is, even though you could just double down and make it more and more tragic, go boo-hoo, boo-hoo, the music becomes more and more heroic, right. getting larger, bigger, more brass instruments come out. Brass are the kings of heroic sounds. Um, all these kind of building like sensation until I could be very wrong. I've already explained that I am terrible at recognizing things by ear, but to me, the very last chord that plays sounds very similar to the very first chord of the Avengers theme. Mm. All right. So it's almost like this hint of triumph and heroism. And the idea that the Avengers theme starts with just the first chord right at the moment when vision dies, they accomplished their goal. Now they're stuck with an incredibly angry and powerful Titan, Mm -hmm. but they stopped Thanos. Of course, that's what we think. Mm -hmm. Like, they did it. What a horrible price to pay, but they did it. The heroes saved the day. It became more and more heroic. Of course, that doesn't happen. But that wouldn't have been possible if, again, Alan Silvestri wasn't willing to dive below the surface. If he wasn't willing to say, oh, sad that's a sad scene, but let's go deeper. And again, one of the most powerful tools you have is to look at why are the characters doing this? What is the purpose? Wanda, right now, her reason for doing this, yes, it's tragic, it's terrible, but she's being very selfless Mm -hmm. in this scene. She is putting her own happiness, her own love, as secondary to the needs of the universe. Right. Which, I mean, anyone can say, oh, yeah, that's important. I would do that, too. Or, like, that's what she should have done kind of thing. Uh, But it's harder when you're the character. And so Alan Silvestri realized this isn't just a tragic, sad scene. This is a moment where a hero is really showing what it means to be a hero. Mm -hmm. All right? Making the hard choices require the strongest wills. Right. Kind of think Thanos' own line. And so Alan Silvestri is going deeper and going, yes, this is a sad scene, but more than that, this is a heroic scene. Mm-hmm. All right, We have the hero pitting herself against an insurmountable threat and doing the worst thing she could possibly do for herself in order to save the world. I mean, even Vision says it's unfair. It shouldn't have been you. It should have been anyone else, right. but it doesn't matter because you are the only one who can. And so he makes this such a beautiful kind of heroic anthem. Mm-hmm. Um And it just kind of just shows, like, again, kind of going back to the idea of, like, the Gamora scene, that we would not be geeking out over this as much as we are if it weren't for that extra layer of nuance, if it wasn't Mm -hmm. that way of making this personal to the story. There is no template for this kind of music. There's no template on YouTube or in any book that says, how do you make a tragic but heroic sound for a scene where the hero is sacrificing the love of their life Mm -hmm. to save the universe? There's no template that gets that specific. Right. Um... You have to just find it from the emotion of the scene. Mm -hmm. This is a very big kind of moment in the character's development, in Wanda's development. Because, I mean, earlier in the scene, we see the issues that she's not willing to... Like, she's part of the team, but she won't put the team first. She wants to have her life. Mm -hmm. We see that in the scene right before Captain shows up at the train station. There's kind of that hot water of, like, they said, like, we trusted you. You said you wouldn't go far. You said you'd stay in contact. And then you just kind of disappeared. You went, you didn't tell anyone we were going, and you didn't keep in contact. Why? She's like, well, I wanted just some time to myself. It's reasonable. But here we are seeing where she's putting her own needs secondary to the team, secondary to the world kind of thing, the universe. And so it's a pivotal moment for the character. It's one of those key emotional beats that I mentioned earlier, 
where you want to go big. You want to have massive music to kind of support it and not just be in the background, but be in the foreground. Right. Um, it's just, there's so much I could say about this. I feel bummed could be already kind of like repeating what I said earlier. But I just love scenes like this. I was like going to say, there's a reason that we do. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. It's just like a, it's a masterclass on diving deeper. What are your, uh, what are your characters' motivations? Why are they doing what they are doing? How are they developing as a character? What weaknesses do they have to overcome? Wanda has always prioritized herself and vision over everybody else. Right. This is a moment of growth for her character where for the first time we see that she is prioritizing others over her herself mm-hmm. and vision. So that's a moment of growth for the character. It's a moment of kind of, it's a key moment for the story. And she gains Thanos' respect after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he even says, like, I is like, you have my respect, I understand. It's like, it's like, she's like, I don't think he says you have my respect. He's like, he's like, he's like, he, no one else something, yet. Something like, no I one else, under, I understand yeah. what that took. I understand. He basically acknowledging that she has the same strength of will that he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just beautiful. It's like, this is, and it's beautiful because the composer was willing to tell the story. All right. And not just slap what's on the surface, but actually understand how is the character developing? Mm-hmm. Why are they doing what they're doing? And how can that be reflected in the music? Right. Beautiful scene. Beautiful scene. Yeah. Uh, Shall we watch Vision die again? <laughs> like just watch, watch, watch no, the time watch stone that. and this yoink. No, I don't want to watch that. No, um, but I mean that that can add to the to the to the or to you know yeah. to the to the scene as well because like we go through this massive thing, and it's the big thing to remember, particularly about Infinity War. That's yeah. really interesting compared to like a lot of like typical Avenger movies or like you know the Marvel movies yeah. or just like hero movies in general. Is that this is a movie about Thanos? Like Thanos first and foremost. Like I mean. At the end, we find that it's a movie about Thanos. But, yeah. you know, up until we see Thanos finally, like, win... He's the protagonist, and he, we don't realize He's it. essentially the protagonist, yeah. So the music is actually written more for him, it feels... I mean, like, well, maybe I shouldn't say that. But it's there. there's a significant amount of weight placed on his character. as mm-hmm. He's not just a one-dimensional, like, big bad. Oh, yeah. All, so, you know, noticing, you know, kind of noticing that throughout the movie is interesting and going back and watching it after the fact as well. This is the first time, I think, I, maybe the second time I've watched this this movie since I became a therapist. So it's it, I haven't seen it. I've seen it a bunch of times. Yeah. Like I, it's very memorable, obviously. Yes. Um, it's one of my favorite movies. It's but, an older movie. We were in yeah. grad school when this came out. I was going to say, yeah, we're rocking, a, what, now six or seven years since, since something when we were we were in i think it was 2017 i started grad school 2017 ended 2019 so it was somewhere in between yeah so i started the year after so it would yep. have been i would have because i was still yeah i remember watching this in my college i film. think it was 2017 because i don't think you were you weren't living with us i yet. was an undergrad yeah. still yeah but um either way the the <laughs> the line from vision it shouldn't be you but it is hits very different as a trauma therapist yeah. Because that's a thing that, you know, just in general, and I I say this to show, like, the weight that this carries. That's a thing that, you know, there are people and there are, you know, people that you'll experience, like, in It's a very emotional line. Yeah, where, like, this is a trauma that someone, you know, they went through. I never say someone should have to go through trauma, obviously. But, um, you know, this is something that, you know, she has to go through. And she has to, you know, in order to make this you know in order to make this situation better it just it 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 hit differently when i watched it um, this last time it's a common tropes in movies because it's a common experience in life 
mm-hmm. where it shouldn't have, like you shouldn't have to experience this, but you are. Yeah. And it's not a matter of trying to go back in time and say, oh, I wish I'd never had this happen to me. Or I wish this had never happened in general. It's like, you can't do that. All mm-hmm. that you can do is choose how you're going to move forward. I mean, exactly. that's, that's one of my favorite lines from uh, Lord of the Rings as well, where Frodo says he wishes the ring had never come to him. And Gandalf goes, so do all people who live to see such times. But mm-hmm. that's not for them to choose. Right. What they have to choose is what they do with the time they are given. And it's just such a beautiful kind of... I mean, that's always kind of had an impact on my own life. Mm-hmm. It's like there's... Like when I first started having like my midlife crisis <laughs> and realizing that I wasn't cut out to be a therapist mm-hmm. and I wanted to be a musician, but I hadn't done anything with music yep. in like six years at that point because mm-hmm. I, I like I cut music cold turkey right after high school it's you kind know. of a family tradition <laughs> uh and I think it's a humanity tradition true true true, 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 true. <laughs> yeah but uh I just kind of like cut it out I told myself like all right high school it's over you can't make a living with music all right I need to move on mm-hmm. I need to do something else so I tried so hard mm-hmm. for so long to try and do anything else so just ignore that it didn't work and so there was that kind of moment like I don't know like it, again like Lord of the Rings kind of inspired me I was like you know what there were a lot of things that inspired me it was a slow burn process mm-hmm. but this idea is like I always kind of regret like man I wish I hadn't spent six years of my life chasing a completely different career mm-hmm. and I was like well you know what there's nothing I can do about that now. There is nothing I can do about these past six years. All I can do is focus on the time I have right now and what I do with the next years. Do I want another six years to go by and think, man, I wish I'd done something else those past six years. Mm-hmm. Or do I want to go another six years forward and go, I'm glad I did it. Or at the very least, I'm glad I could say I could do it. Or in the worst case scenario, go back to therapy. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm glad I know now. I'm glad I know now. I'm glad my career is the worst case scenario. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, it's not what I mean. I know, I don't Worst case scenario for you. Worst case scenario for me. I get your job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, just not that bad. No, no, of course not. Of course, yeah. And, um, and like I said, I love psychology. I love the, like therapy modalities it's the working with people i'm not too it's good the working with human beings yes it's, yeah. well, actually, it's working with human beings at the lowest points of their life all right yeah. that i mean that it, it you know and, and that's why this line hits so hard for me it right. shouldn't be you but it is right you know and and that's a thing that we have to like sometimes that is in situations like maybe i'll put my therapist hat on a little bit here in situations where people are going through the lowest points of their life this is translatable you know to to our purposes here there's not really a right thing to say. Yeah. Just about anything you say can be interpreted any way. So in terms of we're going to get stuff done, you know, we have this trauma that's impending, you know, or dealing with this trauma, you know, that that we have this impending, like, understanding that we have to go over this big emotional hurdle. You know, when Vision says that to Wanda, it shouldn't be you, but it is. So we, you know, it's like, I hear you, I love you. You know, it just it like gets me. It has to be done. <laughs> but you have to, you have to do You it. have to you do something. Yeah. I mean, like, because that was something, that was another thing, like, different people we knew in our lives where they'd been complaining, like, oh, I wish I hadn't been doing this for the last three years. Mm-hmm. Another three years would go by. Or I wish I'd changed three years ago. Another couple of years were like, I wish I'd done something else. And like, it's all too common. It's like, it's the same yeah. issue over and over again. You always, like, time is going to go by no matter what. Mm-hmm. Unless like, you have the time stone. Of course you have. Unless you have the time stone. You, and then they kill But I'm sorry, it. you're not that special. No. You, know what you can't bring it back to vision just to kill him again. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want to watch it so bad. I, I we it's, can watch it. Oh, we should. We were running we were running over on time. But, oh, who cares? Uh, but uh, no, <laughs> Our bosses are pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
No, that was just kind of like a thing that I that kind of pushed me into music as well. Mm-hmm. It was like the uh, just like seeing other people's like look, like I see so I know so many people that like the time goes by whether they want it to or not. There's right. nothing you can do about that, and it's always the same thing. I wish I'd done something five years ago. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd done something three years ago. I wish I'd done something three months ago. And it's like, well, you can't do that, but what you can do is what you do right now, mm-hmm. and it's not always easy. It's I mean, especially of course not like they, it's every movie. That uses this trope, this kind of lesson, shows how difficult it is. Frodo with the ring, Wanda having to kill Vision. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of things going on. It's very, very difficult. Uh, and it doesn't have to be something as life-changing as like swapping your careers. You do not have to be a professional <laughs> composer to enjoy composing music. Right. You don't have to do that. In fact, there's a middle ground. There is a middle <laughs> ground. There's a, there's a running joke where I get emails from people who are saying it's like, you inspired me. It's like, I decided to be a film composer because of you. And I'm like, don't, don't blame me for that. No, don't, like, don't put that on my Don't shoulders. put that on me. That was not my fault. Nope. <laughs> you made that decision yourself. Because it is it is a very difficult path to follow. Yeah. And like many paths are. Lots of paths. Most paths, I'd say, in life are very difficult. The longer you're in any particular career, any path, you're, you're going to hit spurts where yeah. things aren't easy. Right. You know? and, and, and that's okay. You know, the thing is, is it's okay to not be okay for like a little bit. Yeah. Even if that little bit is 15 years, if you can stick with it. And you have the energy to, and you can see through to the end of it. Do it, you know. What does Thanos teach us? I mean, like in all seriousness, <laughs> listen. What to Thanos. would Thanos do? What would Thanos do? He would keep pushing. He no, would. Don't do what Thanos would do because he kills his family members. But yes, you know, he. The point is, is you know, willpower is. It's okay. To, the hardest choices require the strongest wills. Exactly. Have the strongest right. will, my friends. Just have the strongest will. That's what we're learning. So. You know what the hardest choice is? <laughs> to support us on Patreon. That is a tough. All right, choice. support us on Patreon. Buy merch. I don't think it's a tough choice. It's not a tough choice. Do it's an have, easy choice. Do we have merch? I have um I have merch. Well you have merch. Yeah, yeah. Have merch. We don't have merch for this yet. Uh, say, this is pretty early though. Yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe maybe. Maybe in the future. Maybe. 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 We'll see. But uh <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Shameless plug. Support us. Uh, make our decisions less difficult. <laughs> uh but no, yeah, I'm I'm getting off the rails here. I'm but uh no, just beautiful scene, beautiful yep. lessons about life about we're diving too deeply mm-hmm. uh but wonderful this is why i love movies this yeah. is why i love you can never movies so much like yeah. the stories reflect the human experience right all right and i love that all right and it all gets undone because thanos is mean he is so speaking of thanos being mean let's watch the scene where he realizes he won which is the Ooh, final scene very last scene mm-hmm. when the audience finds out he when won. the audience <laughs> finds out that that's that's it oh <laughs> such a good scene let's yeah. watch it What is this? What the hell is happening?
Such a short but powerful scene. I remember being yep. in theaters, like I said, grad school, so I had no idea what was happening in the world around me. All mm -hmm. I knew was I was tired, I was exhausted, and Cody was dragging me to the movie theaters. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing this and just going, what the? <laughs> what is this? Being like, I did not see that coming. This is terrible. Oh, it was wonderful, though. It's just yeah. kind of like, it's, it's such an unexpected ending. Well, and, and I want to talk about why it's wonderful, actually. Let me hear it. Right? Because, like, there's this idea of, like, it's terrible but wonderful. It's terrible because of, like, obviously the half of the universe is gone. Of course. Um, instant. But uh, it's merciful. wonderful. It, yes, it's, it's mercy. Yeah. Um, but but seriously, though, like, it is it is wonderful yeah. because, there, like, we see that side of it. So yeah. this is the part, and, and this is why it's so important to really pay attention to the story and kind of, like, how things are supposed to go. Because Thanos is scored as the protagonist. Yeah. And, and we see that, like, the audience sees that officially here. Mm -hmm. And the only reason we can accept it is because he's been built up this whole time. You yeah. know, obviously, like, the music isn't the only thing that built him up. Like, he's got, you know, there's other elements to his character that, that build him. Movie spanning ten years. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this has been a long time, you know, built up. So, um, Hinted at since, what is it, 2013 when the original Avengers came out? I want to say. Yeah. No, not 2013 early because we were not seen. We graduated high school in 2013. Yeah, so it would have been. Yeah. It's been a year. Mm -hmm. A decade, I mean. I was going to say. <laughs> that's slightly <laughs> longer than a year. Longer than a year. <laughs> it's been a decade since high school. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I remember because uh, we, uh, we started a movie club it was in high school. 2011, I think, when right. the original Avengers came out. Because I think we were juniors. That makes sense, yeah. Junior year, because yeah, that would have like been the beginning, yeah, of junior beginning of junior year when it came out. So either 2011, 2012, one of those. Because we started a movie club where we made movies. We've been doing this a long time. We have. <laughs> to varying degrees of success. <laughs> right. uh, and we had like a movie club, and then uh, we had that legendary movie night in the school where everybody just kind of showed yep, up. Mr. That was Brown. A lot of fun. Uh, one of the teachers like gave up his, he was there to like supervise. He had his, uh, we had like a bunch of bean bags and a bunch yep. of like snacks. That was fun. That was a straight vibe. Yeah, it was a very big vibe. Yep. Uh, but anyway, I'm digressing. I'm digressing. But no, yeah. But it's yeah. A, a long time building him up as a character. Right. They've spent a very, very long time with him. And, you know, this scene, it has a weird satisfaction to it mm -hmm. because the Avengers lost. We're supposed to be sad about that. And sure, you can be. But it doesn't change the fact that this feels satisfying. Because we've been able to follow both of these paths. Mm -hmm. So even though both of these paths aren't supposed to, like, they have different goals, mm -hmm. essentially. Like, they're going to end up at the same place. One is going to overturn the other. Yeah. So even though that's what we would call morally bad, like the bad guy won, it still is satisfying that the music matches that. I the music that. matches the, and I want to compare it because <laughs> I don't want to get too controversial because I love, I love episode eight, Star Wars episode eight. But I think that that's, yep, he knows. Yeah. That's um, one of the best examples of how to do a really bad job of, of making, of making emotional sense of what's going on. Mm -hmm. So like the reason that this movie does such a good job of it is because it matches. It makes mm -hmm. sense. I always say. Anything works as long as it makes sense. Just make it make sense. Yep. You know, and, and that's all I can really say about it to some degree because there's an intuition there, right? Yep. The reason that this is, you know, that this kind of does a good job of that is because it makes sense. Thanos is tired. He just killed half the universe. He just, he, he, he plowed his way through, you know, massive amounts of, you know, obstacles. obstacles and the strongest fighters in the universe. And he's tired. He's done. 
this is kind of like a, you know, a merciful father sort of if you're going to use like a god-ish, you know, type, you know, type uh, uh, heuristic for Thanos. Um, like that's kind of the the portrayal that he, you know, he is. He's He's worked a lot. He finished his goal. It's extracted a heavy toll on him, but he's he can rest now. He can yeah. he's done. He's he can at, retire. He can retire. Yeah, he's at peace. So Thanos is at peace. The score or the music for this particular scene, you know, scores that he's at peace, shows that he's at peace. Yeah. So you gotta make it make sense, you know. Like, and I'll kind of compare it with with the Last Jedi, where like there's a lot of like dysphorics that we talk about dysphoria. You can make dysphoria yeah. work, but it's when this it's it's when it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense is when it kind of doesn't work, right? So, like, at the end of The Last Jedi, if you have spoilers, if you haven't seen it, um, you probably should stop listening. But I think we've probably established that. yeah. Yeah, you probably should have seen the movie that's four years old now, or six, however, um, at this point. But, uh, you know, what happens at the end, right, is that essentially they lose. Like, they, they completely lose. Luke successfully holds off Kylo Ren, and then they all lose, and they have to to flee, and they get out. The First Order is very, very, very upset about the fact that, like, they didn't, you know, they didn't catch Luke. They didn't catch everybody there. They escaped. And the... They're upset that they won. Yeah, they're upset that they won in that particular battle. And, like, when Rey... And sure, like, they can have, like, an emotional moment when they they catch up with Poe and, and, you know, and, and Finn and everybody. When they all get back together on the, on the Millennium Falcon. But it's like, there's this sense of relief that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Because they're screwed. <laughs> so, yeah. Like the, the entire resistance has been whittled down yeah. into nothing, it's basically. Like, yeah. And now they have what in the movie is considered like a really old rickety ship. Yeah. You know, compared to like the technology that they have. Yeah. And they they have light light speed tracking. They have like they're screwed. Like they can't get like they're done. Yeah. And they're happy. And it makes no sense. Right. <laughs> you know? But like the thing is, is if it were to be scored or if it were to kind of be more portrayed as if like, you know, as if like, oh, the grief. Crap, kind of we yeah. lost. Yeah. yeah. It would have made a lot more sense. So it has to make sense. It really does have to make. And I, I don't, I'm not bashing The Last Jedi. I love The Last Jedi, actually. It's just that particular one. That yeah. little scene there. Yeah. But, General Leia is dead. Mm-hmm. Uh the whole resistance has been wiped out. We shouldn't out. feel like this was and a good thing. And that's a matter of story writing, not just the music. Because yeah. the music can help a poorly written story, but it can't save it. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And, no, yeah. exactly. So, We're the, not... It, yeah. That's just... A, that's, a, that's a comparison. It's yeah, a yeah, comparison. Yeah. Yeah. And this is such a great example of... Like, I love what you said. I never really noticed that Thanos is the protagonist of this film. Right. Really fast. Yeah. And, and what I want to kind of really, you know, also put out there, just before you say what you're going to say, mm-hmm. is... There's no such thing as a negative emotion. They don't exist. Okay? In psychology, though, sure. You know. In psychology, <laughs> I was say, I was say, uh, when I say negative emotion, I don't talk about the academic description of a negative emotion. Okay. I talk about emotions we don't like. Uh, so, you know, emotions fair enough, like... I say it's like, just positive versus negative emotion is kind of a big deal for my emotions, it's a big, <laughs> it's a big deal in terms of like... I mean, yeah. But like, what I'm saying is, when you start to kind of look at these things... There's no such thing as a bad emotion that you shouldn't feel. Yeah, bad versus good. I shouldn't yeah. say positive and negative. Because there but are like, positive versus negative emotions. Yeah, and it's it's an academically accepted yeah. thing. I don't know if I like the terminology personally, but I won't get into that. Um, you I know, prefer the terms bright versus dark. Right, yeah. So good and bad, like there's no such thing as a bad emotion. Like emotions yeah. exist for a reason. So when you look at that, this now becomes a play field of, of stuff that you can use mm-hmm. and make it make sense. Because that's kind of why I feel like 
that Star Wars scene failed because yep. they were trying to avoid the fact that this like sucks. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what it felt like. So, but anyway, well, I just want to say the, the producers, your sandbox. Yeah. the bigger your sandbox is, the more you can play with producers and other like administrators and have I mean, a lot of control over films. And so that could be a big thing, but they're always kind of like, Oh no, with like tested in audiences and ending on a bad note is bad. We can't do that. Yeah. It's like, no, I can't do that. No, don't end it on a bad note. Right? No, again, it's you have to allow the story to breathe. You have to trust your audience to be mature enough to experience an emotion. Yes. To tell, to experience a story. That's, again, why I love movies like this. That's why I love every movie we've covered so far. Is the movies we've covered so far trust you to experience a story. They trust you to experience an emotion. Uh, Several emotions. Mm Mm-hmm. Ah, I love movies. I love what I do. I love what we do. Uh, Me too. (laughs) Do you have anything else you want to say? No, no. I just, I feel like the theme of what I've been saying is just make it make sense. Right? Just make it make sense. You know what makes sense. Just make it make sense. (laughs) Make sense? Yep. And um, I think the big kind of takeaway from what I was saying is always dive deeper. Yes. All right. Dive deeper. And then, of course, be careful with your themes. All right. Don't Mm. overuse your themes. Don't waste a character theme every single time the character is on, on screen. That's a great way to rob your themes of having an emotional impact. All right. Always be careful. Be selective. What moments? And I said, like, like I said about diving deeper, look for moments where the character is actively growing. The character is making a decision or doing something that helps them develop. Those are prime opportunities to use the theme. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you want to be like Alan Silvestri, dive deeper and understand the motivations of your characters. Not just why do they have to do this for the story to progress, but why did the character actually make this decision? What was their motivation? What convinced them that out of all the options they had, this was the best one to go with? If you can understand those two things, you're going so much further in making sure your music has an emotional impact. And again, if you want to learn about ma- like portraying emotions and making sure your music sounds the emotion you want to, check out my online class or my ebook. Anything you want to plug? Want to plug? No, yeah. no, that I'm makes just, sense. You might have some HIPAA issues. If you I, I, there, there you, would be you some get in trouble if, if you tried plugging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not really a whole lot that I can really plug yeah. that would be helpful for this audience. So um, I just appreciate you guys always listening to mm-hmm. me and, and having me along. And once again, if you made it this long, you are a real one. Mm-hmm. Comment real one in the comments. <laughs> we'll, have a we'll give you a thumbs I, up. Uh, yeah. I, I want to do merch now. All right. We'll do something. We'll, we'll come up with something. Yeah, we'll talk about, about it. We'll talk about it. There'll be some fun things in the future. All right. Until next time, my friends, keep studying, keep working hard, and keep writing new music. We will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.